When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. live welcome back ladies and gentlemen i am one of your co-hosts blake Rafino. alongside me is my counterpart joe de leon i am sorry that i am late i was defending joe to the death from the ucla fans who are so at you man you go viral on a random monday or tuesday ucla fans are coming after you bro you're the one who was critical of them this is always what happens the (laughs) quote of you speaking down on a fan base is always the thing that's removed. And then for some reason I'm caught in the crossfire. I'm your, I'm your human uh, meat shield, if you will. Uh, also massive pulse. Okay. Uh, <laughs> happy Valentine's day though, Blake. I, I thought that I was going to get that, but I guess you don't appreciate me that much. Uh, Joe, we're one minute <laughs> into the show. I mean, you got to wait for me to tell no, you. No, no, Valentine's no, no, no. The pr- priorities, Blake priorities. Valentine's well, day. Here's priority. the thing. I have three Valentines. Okay. One is for one is like three foot six. The mm. other is like a f- two foot. And the other one's my wife. So do you want me to add? Do, do, do you want me to add on? Yeah, I'm not asking you to, to be you to on, be. Joe. Do you feel you? No, no. Uh, I'm not asking you to be my Valentine. Just a happy Valentine's Day would have been would have been nice. But that's the reason me, why we're going early today, though. That's the that that's is, really that is what I was getting. You're going early today. Yeah. Let me ask you this: What is a typical Valentine's Day with you with you and your girlfriend? What is the appropriate Valentine's Day uh, 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 itinerary list? Well, we we haven't been dating that long, so we only had one last year, and I mean this year just. You know, taking her to dinner somewhere nearby, a nice Italian place nearby. Um, that's the no extent of it. House. I'm not. No, I tried to do that. You'd be surprised. A month ago was when I made the reservation. I was going to do that, but there were all of the good, you know, steak places nearby that were worth. You know, if I'm going to go, I want to spend the money that's worth it. I'm not going to go to a shitty steakhouse that's not very good. They were all booked up. They were all completely booked up a month and a half ago. It was, it was Everybody ridiculous. wants to be out on Valentine's Day, man. You know, I, I mean, so dumb. Which you said reservation, which reminds me, I got to make a reservation for my wife's birthday. But I, I mean, listen, okay, I am a look, 
I want to go to a steakhouse. I want drinks. I want a good steak. I don't even care about the sides. Give me oh, a yeah. nice ribeye, uh, a 14 ounce ribeye. I am golden. I am a kid in a candy store at a steakhouse, man. See, I'm, I, I'm not going to tell my girlfriend this, but so this weekend I'm going to Palm Springs with a couple of my buddies so we can go golfing. And one of the places I made a reservation for, for was, was a steakhouse. So I am avoiding, uh, she's not getting the steak, but I'm eventually going to get uh, a good steak. This I am weekend literally going her. to send her the clip of you saying that. <laughs> you, you don't have her contact info, so we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> uh, I can figure it out. I'm very yeah. resourceful. Uh, we'll see. We'll see okay. about that. We do got a lot to talk about. Joe, you know who's going to be eating steaks for a long time? Uh, all the college football playoff teams? Is that what you're going to Every college football playoff team over the next six years is going to be eating the filet mignon, the ribeye steaks, because, Joe, it was reported yesterday that ESPN has come up with a deal over the next six years, $7.8 billion in TV revenue that will be issued out. But yet we still don't have a collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, I think that this, them getting this contract put into place so quickly um, could accelerate that process as, we're, as we've talked about a lot of the whole collective bargaining agreement, the unionization. But I, that's not really the angle that we're, we're kind of going for here. It is going to be a highly contested conversation, I think, over the next few months between Washington State and Oregon State trying to maintain some sort of monetary um, handout, I think is the best way to describe it, to still be considered a Power Five conference, even though there's only two of them, uh, in order for them to stay afloat. But this is pretty massive to signal that they're getting this extension this quickly without the 12-team playoff even being played and without really any expectation of what the ratings are going to be like for these games. I think it also signifies, at least for the next six years, that we won't have playoff expansion, right? Which yes. I think is a yes. big. I think was a big worry, and to be honest with you, is a big worry for me. I am not a playoff expansion guy. I am on the complete opposite. I don't think that there's twelve teams that can win a national title on any given year. I know that we disagree on that part, but I do agree that outside of twelve is too much. Anything? Well, more let me ask you this question: This year, LSU it was the number twelve team. Do you think LSU could have won a national title? Yeah, I think they could have gone on a on a run. I mean, their defense was horrible, but they I could think not win a national title. I think just like the Kansas City Chiefs were not the best team in the AFC, they still were a playoff team because they were experienced and they had a good coaching staff and they went on the run when they needed to. So that's what all I'm asking for. You know, that's all I'm looking for is to have the capability of a four or a five seed to go mm -hmm. on a run because there is a little bit less. There's less barriers for them to get in and to compete for an opportunity to win a national title. The five seed winning, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the fifth best team, right? Like, I mean, because Georgia. That's what I'm would, getting at. Right. I, I just still don't believe that 12 can do it, but we'll see. And I think it's going to be fun. We'll talk about that TV contract as well. Uh, Joe, Alabama is promoting from within a guy that I talked about a lot here. Maybe sh we should have talked about him more, but Nick Sheridan is going to be promoted. The tight ends coach is going to be promoted as the next offensive coordinator. We'll talk about that in Alabama. I think that there are a lot of people that look at Nick Sheridan, and I've made a lot of phone calls on this, 
they think Nick Sheridan is going to be one of those next big-time names that we're going to be starting to talk about here. I mean, he did get fired as the offensive coordinator at India. Are, are we going to disagree on this? Are we, I'm actually um, shocked. Are we going to disagree no, on this? I do think that that is a concern. Yeah. Okay? Like, but we've also seen Mike Dimbrock got fired at Notre Dame. And you can make yeah. the argument that he was the best offensive coordinator in the country last year. Yeah, uh, I, under I, I don't look at coach uh, coordinator firings. I don't look at that as at, at the same. Like I legitimately don't. Okay, but when you go two and ten, staff though the entire Indiana staff seems to be at Alabama that's, now. That's where I'm a little bit more annoyed, and why I'm a little bit more concerned. I'll save that conversation for when we get into it. But like, yeah, I, I'm not excited about a guy who went two and ten as an offensive coordinator and then was fired. At the end of that season, I, I just I just don't know how that's going to really turn out. It could work out. Like you're talking about maybe the location reset and having some time to kind of take a step back as a tight ends coach is going to help him. Uh, but we'll, that one is a huge, huge if for me. Why does Nick Sheridan look like a, a Will Muschamp and Mike Leach had a baby? I can't not see that now. You mean you can't unsee it now? Look yeah, at this. I can't, I can't unsee look, it. Look yeah. at this. Look at this photo. Oh, let me go back. Hold on. Wait. Look at this photo. You're going to tell me that that doesn't look like Will Muschamp <laughs> and Mike Leach had a baby? That does look a lot like Will Muschamp. And I can <laughs> see what exactly you're saying like there. Will Muschamp. I wonder if there's uh, any relation. Oh, I, well, oh, all college football coaches are related. You didn't, you didn't know that? <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what everyone will tell you. <laughs> Look, he is a guy, though. I'll give him this, okay? I understand that he was the Indiana OC. We'll talk about this. He came in and was OC during COVID, okay? Like, there was a reason. Tom Allen had a big reason, okay, on why they didn't succeed, too, at Indiana. It's a reason that Allen got fired. So, yeah. I think that Nick, they were trying to do a lot of things that they couldn't do. I think that there's a reason that Kalen DeBoer hires him and he continues to hire him. Uh, so we'll we'll talk on Nick Sheridan. Also, Scott Cochran not, no longer going to be at the University of Georgia. We'll we'll touch on that as well. Um, kind of felt like that was coming though, Joe, because of all yeah. the off the field stuff that continued to be going on with Scott Cochran. Yeah, I'm not totally surprised by this. This was a little bit of a morning news dump uh that was dropped today seems like there was a lot going on with the program and, and we'll th this isn't really i think a performance-based firing but i'm curious to at least just hit on this and kind of get your thoughts on it um he i, I think that okay we'll talk about it i'm not going to yeah. go into it now we'll we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it i you know it is what it is uh joe also the pac-12 commissioner george klavikov klavikov Say it again. Klyovkov. Klyovkov. I Look, I can't say Russian names. I'm from the deep south, okay? Klyovkov, <laughs> okay, is looking at he's going to be pushed out of the pack two. Yeah, I don't think we're shocked there. And I, I don't think that – I am a little shocked. Can I be honest I mean, with you? They they clearly wanted nothing to do with him, all the moves that they've made throughout this whole offseason. And then after – for something that wasn't his fault, though. But, but that's not what the issue is – it's not I mean, his fault, but well, well, the issue is that everything's falling apart, and he—that's that's not on him. I I know that's not on him, but he's getting 
removed and pushed out because Washington State and Oregon State's goals are not aligned with his. And we haven't heard a word about anything that he's done in the, you know, the the later impacts of everything that's gone on. He has not made any moves to help fix the Pac-12. It's been all Washington State and Oregon State. So why do they need him? Why are they paying him when they need to figure out their own well, situation. he tried. They said they voted no. Like San Diego State, he tried to bring them in. He tried to bring in some group of five uh, teams, and they voted no on it. That's not on him. He can't uh, – look, I think he went into an unwinnable situation. I'm surprised you're you're defending him. I, I just don't believe you – I don't think you remember why the other Pac-12 commissioner before yeah. him was pushed out. He, he stunk. He completely stunk, but to – I mean, he also still was the one in the room making these negotiations. Well, we'll get to it later. Okay, we'll get to it later. All right, Valentine's Day special, Rafino and Joe show. If you love us as much as we love college football, you have come to the right place. Joe, let's talk about our good friends, though, over at betonline.ag. Our good friend, oh, I, almost, I was in my AYS special here. <laughs> uh, but our good friends over at betonline.ag. Everybody do us a favor. Though, by hitting the like and share, if you're on Facebook, hit that like button, hit the share, share to all those social media groups, share to all those social media pages. You're watching us, listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, and notification bell, and wherever you listen to podcasts, do the same. We greatly appreciate you doing that. Joe, let's take a quick break. College football, is it in a healthy spot with the TV playoff deal that was just enacted? We talk about that. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. We're back! I want to say this, but it, it, you know, it's, oh, too no. early. it's too early in the morning. And never mind. I, I, I'm just <laughs> going to leave it alone because I, I don't feel like I can get away with it before 11 a.m. Okay. Uh, standard time. Joe, it was reported yesterday that ESPN and the college football playoff or college football playoff, excuse me, uh, finalized a deal over the next six years worth $7.8 billion in TV revenue for the expanded playoff. Your thoughts on the new deal with ESPN and the college football playoff? Yeah, the biggest thing that you mentioned earlier is what I take away from all this, that we now have a set number. We have a set period of time that this is locked in for. It's good to know that for a good chunk of time before these games have even been played, we're locked into the 12-team format. I think it allows for us to be a little bit more patient with this and for it to properly commence and play out the way that we can actually determine if this is a successful playoff format. I am hoping that there is no desire to expand this thing further. And then the other side of this too, 
which is going to be um, impacted after the fact, is the voting that is going to happen next week regarding the five and seven teams, and then also for the Pac-12 to still be considered a Power 5 conference and for them to get the $6 million instead of the $1 million that is given to uh, the conferences from the college football playoff. Now that we know where the money is, I think that that is where the next wave of all this happening. All right, so when this went through, you want to know my two thoughts that that crossed my mind? Number one, from a financial standpoint, I don't think the sport has been healthier. Like, I I just don't think that you can look and see the money that's being, you know, pushed into college athletics from an NIL standpoint, from a booster standpoint, from a TV revenue standpoint. And, Joe, this isn't even – we're not even talking about the 54, 55, or 55 uh, million dollars that gets pushed into, okay, these schools from regular season TV revenue. It's going to be a free for all. Your school is going to pay everything they can and do everything they can to get in the playoff because of the TV revenue money. Like they're going to get, they're going to want a large chunk of that. I think from a financial standpoint, it's never been healthier. The second thing I thought was, like you mentioned, and I'm not going to spend any time on it, this is more 1A for me, but we do have a set schedule, and there's going to be a vote next week with the college football playoff and the commissioners uh, about going to a 5-7 and seven model, okay? Instead of the 6-6 six and six model, a 5-7 and seven model that would push out the Pac-2. I like that. I don't think the Pac-2 should have an automatic bid. But why do I feel like that when this got approved and finalized yesterday, that this continues to add fuel to the fire on players not making money from TV revenue. The first thing that legitimately went through my mind was, oh, man, we're about seven. Joe, we're talking about billion, $7.8 billion, and no players are getting any part of that revenue. That is insane to me. Well, I mean, you bring up a really good point. Part of me is kind of thinking here if that there is some sort of collective bargaining agreement, there's some sort of unionization. It really doesn't make sense for that relationship to be with the NCAA. It actually makes more sense for that relationship to be with the college football playoff because that that's that money that we're talking about here. Or to your point, why not do it with the conferences very quickly? Do it with the conferences because they're the ones that are going to receive yeah. the money. Have a have a contract with the yeah. conferences and we'll be over with this. But continue. The, the, this money doesn't go to the NCAA. It is getting dispersed to the college football playoff to pay for its operating costs and then to go to the conferences. That is the whole extent of this. And frankly, the college football playoff should not be operating at a profit. I don't know what their books look like. I'm not going to talk on that because I, I just don't know how much money they as an entity are bringing in. All of the remaining money should be going to the players like you're talking about. And I think, as you're saying here, this is going to get brought up. As soon as this starts to really pick up steam, I would argue that if the Big Ten and the SEC, if they come to that conclusion that there needs to be some form of of union, that they're going to bring this up and say, look at how much money came into play here. The NCAA is not allowing this. We want to allow this, and I think that it is going to lead for, lead to more 
consistency and easiness with interacting with players if there is a collective bargaining agreement. And you know what the NCAA is going to say? What? We ain't got nothing to do with it. Which is going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them no, further. Well, no, because if you think about it, we've college football has already succeeded from the national championship part of the NCAA. This $7.8 billion ain't got nothing to do with the NCAA. Right. The TV contract monies has nothing. To, the NCAA has wiped their hands of all of this. Okay? Now, the NCAA does give money to conferences for, like, March Madness, for college baseball playoff, and, and so on and so forth. But it, it just – I disagree where I do think the playoffs should run from a in the being in the black because look you're I mean you're going to have to put together a 12 team playoff right and it's going to be your biggest part of your schedule here it's just I don't I I think we're moving ever so closely okay to a place where look players are going to get money now let me say this too Mm -hmm. I do have another worry, though. Now, I know over the next six years we won't have any more playoff expansion, okay, because that's the deal that they've come together with. But let me throw this your way. If it's $7.8 billion, about a billion a year, a little bit more than a billion a year, why aren't why isn't the college football playoff committee or conference commissioners going to try to get more teams in there to make more money? I did, you know, it all comes down to, yeah. for me, this has nothing to do. Let me tell you this. The expansion never, ever had anything to do with teams not making the playoff. No, it had everything to do with money. Yeah, I, everything I don't to do with that. money. Yeah. So, Joe, no group of five team is going to win the, uh, a national championship. The 12th team or the 11th team in college football, like, for example, Penn State, LSU, Missouri, this year, none of those teams would have won a national title. All of this just is about money. That's all it it's all they care about. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I think I think most intelligent people are gonna be willing to understand that from a fan's perspective, yes, we want more games, we want more competitive play, we do want that opportunity for a lower seed to go on a run and, and whatnot, all that good stuff. But yeah, the motivation is from these broadcasting companies, particularly ESPN, who now owns the rights, and from the conferences trying to find a new way to make more money. But to tie this into what you're talking about here with the players and them eventually getting a union and all that stuff, back when... Northwestern tried to do this originally. They were the first team to like try and, and get um, to put together a union. We didn't have any of this. You know, we didn't have this large of a contract. We didn't have this much money on the table. So I, I, I think that that is the biggest play in all this is that with all this money on both ends for the conferences and for the teams, it has placed us in a completely different conversation in a completely different world. Oh, it has, but here comes down to the bottom line. Where do we go from here? What do you mean? I, I mean, Joe, I, I don't think that they're going to – I think they're going to add arguably two, maybe four more teams. I think we get to a 16-team I, I don't think we're going to go that far. I really don't. You think that they're, they're going to try and expand that far? Yeah, you know why? Because everybody's going to make so much money and conference commissioners are going to be like, hey, hey, we got 12 right now. I think we can push – 
we can push and, and, and level it off at 16. That's gluttonous if they're going to do You know what actually I would argue is going to happen before we get to that? I think that there is going to be individual conference playoffs before we get to 16 teams. Uh, you know why that's not going to happen? Why? Because when you have a school like Georgia that makes an extra $70 million from athletics from going into the playoffs and playing and winning a national title, they ain't going to do no – the SEC can't do that because ESPN's not going to offer the SEC that. They're not going to offer Why them that. They? Because, look, TV revenue – okay, ESPN is going to want the West Coast. They're going to want the Midwest on their platform. They don't get the West Coast in the Midwest on their platforms. They're, they want to be a part of the SEC. They have the contract with the SEC. But from a playoff perspective – they 1,000% want to have Ohio State versus oh, Georgia. Wait, wait, wait. That's, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the playoff, the college football playoff, is going to re be removed from the equation. I'm saying that because it's going to be so contentious to get into the college football playoff, that there will be individual four-team playoffs created by the Big Ten, the SEC, and whatnot. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying there? No, That there's going to be – we have the college football playoff, and then now we've we have increased competition. We've got more meaningful games in the conferences, not so just we have a playoff to get into the playoff. Yeah, we have four. We have four. I'm saying this, and I've heard other people talk about this on other shows. We could realistically have four teams compete for the SEC championship, and then depending on the results of those games, determines who goes on to the college There's football. No playoff. way they do that. There's no way. Wait, we're talking. We're talking here about if you want more money, there's more money to be had in expanding the competition for the SEC championship game than just adding a couple of teams in the college football playoff. Like, if they're really going to be gluttonous and greedy with the money, that's the next thing that's going to happen. That's the next thing that they're going to do. I don't think that's an insane take. I, I I have heard other people pitch that before on other shows that I've listened to, and I think that it is realistic as you're talking about here with the amount of conferences that are in schools that are trying to get more money you ever seen the movie billy madison yeah i have do you remember when billy madison talked about the little dog named rocky and the uh mc said that that might be one of the dumbest things no that i've ever hold on hold on clip this clip hold this on, hold on that i've ever heard we are all now dumber okay for have have having sitting and listening to that, I don't think that you're wrong that they would want to do something like that. They're okay. going to what? Watching ten years, we're going to be sitting here talking about conference playoff expansion. You remember? You ever seen the movie Billy Madison? You just asked me this. Remember when? Remember when the guy was had the sniper rifle and was shooting uh, Billy Madison's enemies? That's yeah. what I'll do if they do a, a sub playoff for the playoff. I don't think it's bad. I mean, why is that a bad thing? You remove one less, you remove one less um, regular season game because you, you just force them. Already going to play in the regular season. Majority of these teams are already going to play each other in the regular season. What the same thing could be said right now with a lot of these teams into playing each other in the regular season. Oh, good lord! We get plenty. Of, I, whatever. I, I think that I think that that is a plausible. That is more plausible to me than it is to say that they're going to go to sixteen teams. I think we've expanded too far.
We've expanded far. I, I, I agree that we we've gone past, past eight into twelve. Expand. Yeah, we've ex, we would expand too far. I, I I will say this, Joe, to to wrap this all up in a little bow here for me. There there's so much money that's being brought in and pushed into college athletics that I do think that we're having the wrong conversations. I think we're having the wrong conversations in reference to, okay, like let me give an example. It is very hard for me to be mad at a player or get mad at anything when it comes to NIL, mm. okay? When a player like Quinshawn Juckins leaves or Caleb uh, Caleb Downs goes to Ohio State, we or Walter Nolan goes to Ole Miss when he normally would have never ended up in Oxford. When you have this much money being enacted to college athletics and college teams and college programs, I think we're having the wrong conversation. I think the conversation doesn't need to be about NIL because it's Joe NIL. Can I tell you what NIL is? We're just seeing how the sausage was made on how teams built programs in recruiting. You mean to tell me that Nick Saban wasn't giving players money underneath the table, Kirby smart, all these we're, you're just finally seeing how all the sausage is being made. Okay. I do think there needs to be regulations on NIL in the portal, but that's ironic. No, there's got to be. Okay. I've always said that there's got to be regulations. I could pull pool. so many segments of me, you, and me yelling at each other for me suggesting that there needs to be regulations. We did it the whole last summer. No, it that's different. It was how? different. Let me tell you how it was different because you were having the argument on what NIL was. NIL is name, image, and likeness. Let me give no, an example. Let me. Have I changed my thoughts on Nico Iamayavea? No. Recruiting, breaking recruiting violations is different than NIL. Completely different scenario. There's a fine line in between there on the on what yeah, you wrong. My my argument had always been, and this is kind of a non-discussion, but that my argument had always been is that there needed to be regulations in place to protect the players. That was what my whole argument was. The players are the ones that are out there kicking down the front door and saying, "No, they're the ones getting money, ho." The, they're the ones getting. Some of them are the ones getting screwed. Like Gervion Dexter, who I brought up on the show, who unintentionally signed away part of his NFL money without even realizing he did so. Yeah, I I agree with that. I'm I'm with you on that. Okay, that's a little bit on him too now. He's a kid. Well, my whole point is that these kids are twenty, or you, you twenty one. You smart well, enough to read a contract so you, when you're twenty one. So you know, just so you know, before you do an NIL deal, you know that the school has to review it. As someone who's done multiple NIL deals in the past, well, that's on the schools too, you, and the in the collectives for correct, allowing correct. something like that to go through. Correct. So it, there's a lot of to blame here. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. That's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make here is, okay, let me let me say it like this, and don't sidetrack me on this one. Okay. We talk about so many times, Joe, that we want guidelines and rules on NIL and the transfer portal, and rightfully so. You know what we, the conversation that we should be having? regulations on big TV contracts and there being no central governance on how college athletics is run because ESPN, CBS, Fox, 
can come in here and do whatever in the godforsaken world they want to. We don't talk about the future of college athletics and what goes on and possibly there being two divisions, two conferences, two mega conferences. That has been brought up because of everything ESPN, CBS, Fox has done with TV revenue money. So we want to we want to bash the kid, we want to bash the player, we want to bash NIL, we want to bash the portal, but we're not even focusing on the future of college athletics on what these TV contracts are doing to it. The well, kids are not making When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. These decisions, let me tell you something. Every con- every decision Greg Sankey has made in the last four years Tony Petiti has made in the last year has had nothing to do with the player and everything to do with TV revenue money. Well, be okay because th- if there's no TV revenue money, then there's nothing to decide or make rule changes on. There is no conferences. There's All no right, games. There's you no. Know what it's, but you know what's happening? Greg Sankey could have stood up and said, "You're you're going to want to put us on your platforms anyway. This going to two mega conferences isn't going to happen." He could have stood up. He didn't say that. He aligned with the big. No, 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 no. That's not. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I I just don't think it's going to happen that rapidly. I don't. I don't think that 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 any any of this stuff can. That's why they have to put together a. They they can't just immediately overnight immediately put this all together. This is something that is going to take years. Well, they've been already enacting everything. No, they haven't. Joe, we and the Big Ten commissioner coming together and talking about mega conferences. Yeah, Ross they're Dellinger reporting by the way yesterday. The SEC and the Big Ten are coming together in order to meet, in order to figure out a way for this to all make sense, which eventually leads to pay to play, which eventually leads to collective bargaining. There are so many steps that need to happen, and the and the NCAA has to be removed from the equation because they have been the biggest pushback on all that stuff. I, I'm not really worried about the networks influencing decision making. You said at the beginning of this segment that this is the healthiest that the sport has ever been in terms of financially. We need the money in order for it to continue. Otherwise, we can just go watch club football. You're missing what I'm saying. You're missing what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, yes, TV revenue money is helping the sports from a financial standpoint. What I'm trying to get at is we need one face and one voice to run college football and college athletics. We need well, a commissioner more than we've ever needed. Someone a can't just stand up and put their hand in the air and go, "Hey guys, I'm the new commissioner. Just listen to me." Like we had, there are five, sorry, four power five conferences, and, they need, and they need to come together and make one person over college football. They're never going to agree on anything, which is why I'm saying that this is going to take five years, maybe even ten years, until we get to that point. Oh I, I mean, uh, typically I'm the optimistic one on this show when we talk about this shit, but. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any faith that they can come together and do that. I saw. That. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. It's a great line. It's a great line. <laughs> great line. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about Nick Sheridan? Yeah, I'm sure that this is going to be a very cordial discussion. 
I don't think we're going to disagree as much as you think that we are. Oh, I know we are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, yesterday it was reported that Alabama at the time, tight ends coach Nick Sheridan was being promoted to replace Ryan Grubb as the offensive coordinator. Your thoughts? So uh, Alabama fans think that I am unbelievably negative when talking about them. I would like to just preface this by saying I supported the Kalen DeBoer hire. I am optimistic that this can work out. But I got to be completely honest. Them promoting Nick Sheridan as the offensive coordinator is really goddamn lame. It is really lame. There was, this isn't a head coach. This is a coordinator where you have plenty of time. There's nobody entering the portal for you to interviewed outside candidates to look internally at all of your options. This should have been something that took multiple weeks, not a couple of days. And you're going with a guy who was fired as Indiana's offensive coordinator in a two-win season. Now, I understand that you can't totally fault some guys. There have been a, there's been a history of coordinators who have been in bad situations, who have been let go and have gone on to be successful, like you said, with Mike Denbrock. But why are we putting together Indiana South with this goddamn coaching staff, and why was there no effort to look elsewhere for other options? I mean, are we just supposed to look and be happy and say, oh, he's under Kalen DeBoer, he must be smart. I think that that is a very risky decision. And as somebody who's a fan of a team that just promoted a tight ends coach to call the plays, I'm telling you right now, when you're screaming in week seven, remember that I said this. I watched Jared Parker completely run that goddamn offense into the ground, and everybody thought, well, the tight ends were one of the best units on the team. Let's just give this a second. Guy was also fired as the offensive coordinator when he was at West Virginia. Be very careful. Be very wary. This smells, it reeks, of Jared Parker being the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I don't disagree with anything you just said. Um, I will tell you, though that I have talked to a lot of coaches over the last 24 hours about Nick Sheridan and a lot of them have the same opinion of him that he might be one of the best X's and O's guys in the country I think that there was a reason that he did not succeed at Indiana Joe we're talking about him being promoted during COVID Tom Allen ran that program at the end of it into the ground I don't think that it's fair for us to point at him there when all chaos ensued. But I do think it's something of no, uh, that's very noteworthy, okay? That, look, the, the last time that he was a play caller, he failed at a place. Can I tell you why I'm not worried? It's why? exactly what you said the other day when Ryan Grubb left. I don't think that Nick Sheridan's going to call plays. It's fair. I think Kalen DeBoer is. And when you have a head coach that historically calls plays, what do they look in their offensive coordinator? Someone who's used the game and wants to, and calls some of the same things and sees the games the way that you do. And I do think that Nick Sheridan, the mainly due to the fact because Kalen DeBoer has brought him on everywhere he's gone after Indiana – Joe, there's a reason why he promotes him from within because he trusts him, and I just don't know if Kalen DeBoer doesn't have a lot of say-so and his hands in on play calling year one. I do think 
also, Nick Sheridan has a completely different set of athletes, okay, at Alabama than he does in Indiana. It's okay. a completely different type of scenario. Joe, the, uh, let's not be crazy here. I know a lot of guys left Alabama, a lot of players left Alabama. Let's not act like they don't have talent now, okay? My only my only concern is is what you said, though, is that Nick Sheridan, look, he didn't have a lot of success. But I do think that there's something to be said that I've talked to a lot of coaches uh, that are, are, are guys that have been in college football for a while, and they really like him. They think he's one of the best X's and O's guys that's in the business. Well, Jared Parker was respected enough to get a head coaching gig pretty quickly, even though he didn't have a great year as the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I just I think that a lot of times in the coaching industry, yes, there's a lot of respect that's given to these guys, but when there's not results in the field, that needs to be what's telling. You know, it sometimes we need this outside opinion and view on things to be able to observe and see how things performed when they were given the opportunity. If they had gone, say, say they had won five games instead of two, maybe I'd be a little bit less uneasy about this because then one could argue, okay, that's not totally on him. But to only win two games and for the offense to be completely anemic the year that he was the offensive coordinator, I don't know, man. I get that there's different athletes that you're working with in Alabama, but if if guys can't get something out of nothing, then I'm I'm start I start to get a little bit worried. But to your point, Kalen DeBoer is the one calling the plays. That's not if really my issue. Is. I don't know if he is, but if I do think he will ultimately be. He better be. He better be the one calling the plays. This is what you signed up for. You signed up for an offensive wizard and then to put all of the risk in the hands of a you guy who Auburn did last year. Yeah. Yeah. To put all the risk in the hands of somebody else who isn't that experienced or as successful. I mean, it's cowardly. It's very cowardly. Kalen DeBoer can't do that to himself, especially in year one. They need to hit the ground running. And the way that they're going to do that is him calling plays. Who does he go and get in February? What do you mean as an offensive coordinator? I you mean, say that it should have taken weeks. Who does he get? Because by the way, by the way, by the way, let me tell you this too. I get what you're saying and trying to give time to make a, a coordinator hire. I don't think they have the time. Why? I mean, there's no because if you go and hire somebody that's not familiar with Kalen DeBoer's offense, okay, and wants to come in and enact other things, Joe, they're if you said two weeks, they're gonna be in spring football by then. It's an impossible task for a coordinator. The uh, reason uh, Chip Kelly works leaving leaving UCLA for Ohio State as an example, you know who Ryan Day's offense, you know who Yeah, it's his. It's it, yeah. he was running Chip Kelly's offense. So there's the terminology's the same. There's a lot of things the same. Doing this on February the 14th, on Valentine's Day, I do think is a I, I'm not gonna say that Kalen DeBoer was hamstrung a little bit. I I do think he was a little hamstrung a bit, but of the three moves that were made, Scott Huff is the biggest move, is the biggest, is the biggest loss. Issue, yeah. Is the biggest loss on the offensive coordinator side of the football. But see, I don't even think he was hamstrung though, because all of his other hires have been guys that he had close Indiana ties with. He was going to do this no matter that. what. Yeah. Let's talk on that. That's a joke. That's a joke. That Indiana, Indiana. 
that hasn't done shit except for have a mediocre year in 2020 is now somehow the coaching staff at Alabama. He also That's brought ridiculous. a lot of the Indiana staff to Washington. They played for a national title. He brought a handful of those guys. And Washington was the guy that was on that Indiana staff. Ryan uh, uh, Gruff was the guy that was on the Indiana staff. Washington is different than Alabama. Ryan a lot Grubb of was on that Indiana staff. Womack no, he wasn't. Was no, he wasn't. Grubb wasn't ever on at, wasn't at Indiana. No, he hired him. He hired him at um, at Fresno. He was before Fresno at Eastern Michigan. He was offensive line coach Fresno, and then he went to Washington. Yeah, that's fair because DeBoer was OC at Indiana in yeah. 19. Right. A lot of guys would kill to be at Alabama. That's all I'm saying. That you could have you could have pulled. I don't know who Tommy the Reese. list would be. <laughs> yeah, man, you could have gotten Tommy Reese to come back. I, I understand your concern, okay, and agree with your concern. I I I just I do think that Nick Sheridan. There's a lot of people that like him, though, man. I would have promoted Jamarcus Shepard before I would have promoted Sheridan. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I do think that Sheridan, you know, potentially, you know, being a former quarterback at Michigan, I, I, I think that, you know, like, Joe, what if what if Jalen Milrow completely develops himself next year and we see a completely different dude? You know who you know who the winner and all can I tell you something that we hadn't touched about too? You know who the bigger the biggest winner in the Kalen DeBoer sweepstakes was? It was who? not Alabama. You know who it was? Jalen? Jalen Milrow. I don't think, think it's a foregone conclusion he starts though. I, I don't disagree with that. I think Austin Mack probably might start. But dude, I, I mean, he's gonna get more core QB development than he's ever had. One optimistically would hope. I do think I do think that Kalen DeBoer, to some extent, looks at Jalen Milrow and says that he can he can work with this. I, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a total scheme fit. Part of me does think that Mac gets his way onto the field early. He might this year. very much could. It, it, it could be like um, who is the kid going to run a two QB system? No, my thought was you remember at Clemson. Who was the kid that started before Trevor Lawrence and then Trevor Lawrence just completely oh, took over the um, job? Was it Kelly uh, Bryant? Uh, Kelly Bryant, yeah. Okay. Kelly Bryant led them to a playoff. Yeah, but then he immediately – hence my, why it reminds me yeah, of it. Also, Kelly Bryant got him to a playoff and then immediately halfway through Trevor the season. Lawrence, though. I know he's not, but my I'm more so comparing Bryant to Milrow, not Mac to Lawrence in the sense that like he did all this great stuff the year prior and then – because of extenuating circumstances he can't control, he gets pushed out. I understand your concern, and I don't I don't disagree, Joe. I, I don't disagree. I just have a lot of respected people that I value their opinion on mm -hmm. and say that they like him a lot. So I'm just going to wait and see. And I don't think – I just think that Kalen DeBoer is going to call a lot of plays here. So, therefore, I don't think it's a bad hire when you have a guy yeah. that's going to call plays. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's get to a quick break. Let's talk about our good friends over at uh, Home Field Apparel. I'm wearing the shirt again. I have, ah. I have two of these now. Uh, we'll talk about George, say his last name. Klyovkov. Klyovkov uh, being pushed out of the pack as a Pac-2 commissioner. Don't go anywhere. We're back next.
Rafino and Joe show is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, which is the best, without a doubt, premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan, maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake, or maybe you're an Alabama fan, whatever it is, even Idaho. They have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Rafino Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R-U-F-F-I-N-O Rafino Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. Lean us into this one since you can say old boy's name. George Klyovkov, the former Pac-12 commissioner. He is infamously known as the man who sat and watched the demise of the Pac-12 as all these teams left to go to other conferences. He is getting pushed out after there are only two remaining teams. Now, Blake, I know that you disagree with me on this. I do. You don't think you don't think it was his fault. I'm it, not going to say that. The initiation of it was not his fault. It was the previous Pac-12 commissioner whose name is escaping me. Larry Scott. It was on him for the way that he mishandled the the initial talks on the contract expansion or the the new contract. But I do have to give onus to Klyovkov for not being active after everything that happened in order to create a brighter future. We were not in any of these rooms. We were not privy to any of these phone calls that might have happened with Washington State and Oregon State. But to sit and watch as these programs, these athletic directors, have been bullish is pretty pathetic. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of a history lesson. You ready? Okay. Larry Scott tried to move the Pac-12 more into Olympic sports. Okay? He tried to get TV revenue into more of the Olympic sport game and thought that is where a lot of money would be generated in that and in in tennis, women's and men's tennis. That's what Larry Scott pushed for when he became the commissioner in 2009 of the Pac-12. He was the one that, well, the first one who signed the $100 million deal with ESPN on TV rights. He got pushed out because ESPN, CBS, and Fox would not give them more money for their programs, mainly due to the fact because it was a non-generator. It was a non-money generator because people just weren't viewing games because of how bad the Pac-12 was football-wise. I have my thoughts and theories on why the Pac-12 ultimately demised, mainly due to the fact because I think programs and coaches like Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, Brian Kelly, Ed Orsron, uh, 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 who's your boy at Clemson? Why uh, Dabo Swing, all those dudes, uh, uh, Sarkeesian, go into the state of California and grab all of the best talent for themselves. 
the reason they were losing football-wise was because the talent wasn't there. Klyovkov comes into a situation, Joe, in a TV rights revenue that if you remember, he came in there trying to, okay, restructure TV contracts. Like that was his, the number one thing that he did. And but he, he failed. Well, ESPN and Fox said no. And he said, okay. Remember, he tried to go to the CW. He tried to go to Apple. And they told him that Larry Scott signed the deal. Remember, it was this whole big thing about um, he was trying to rework the deal. And nobody had known or nobody knew that Larry Scott had secretly, when he was walking out of the door, big middle fingers to the Pac-12, okay, had signed a deal for the next 10 years, okay, with ESPN and Fox that doesn't generate the money that other conferences did. Why would ESPN and Fox change anything, okay, how, what, when a contract had been signed, what kind of deal could he work? I think he wins. Wait, wait. Their contracts were, were coming up, though. That was what, what the biggest issue with all their no, contracts it, were expiring. Uh, yeah, uh, were. No, then why then why is ESPN and Fox having to pay the Pac-12 all of this money and it's going to be generated and it's going to be given to Oregon State and Washington State? That's the only reason why all this is going is because the Pac-12 is done with. He tried right. to restructure the deal, but Larry Scott had done the extension or signed the extension. Maybe it wasn't 10 years. Maybe it was five years. But that was the reason why ESPN and Fox said no. This is an article from Ross Dellinger about Larry Scott talking about him signing the deal. As the last act as the Pac-12 commissioner, okay, so it's a five-year deal. Larry yeah. Scott signs a five-year deal with ESPN and Fox worth $120 million a year. But the deal ends in 2024, 2025. There needed the biggest issue, and the reason why this all goes on Klyovkov is that there needed to be a renegotiation. Yes, what you're talking about with Larry Scott, that he set set when this conversation needed to be had years ago, years prior, set them up for failure. But the overvaluing of the conference is what led to its death. Was that Klyovkov was trying to negotiate for an astronomically high number that they weren't going to get. There was this expectation that even if the teams are good and competitive, there is just not the same amount of eyeballs for the Big, Big 12, Big 10, for the SEC, for them to be on par with any of those contracts. That's why I think it's, it, it, it goes a lot on him, is that when this was coming down, there was a delusional decision by him in terms of what he was negotiating. And then after the fact, we've got opportunities here to figure out maybe merge conferences, and he hasn't done shit. But Klyovkov did go to the presidents and universities and said, do you want to take this ESPN deal? And they said no. That was the whole reason for the move. Well, at that point, I think that there was a lot of ulterior motives okay, by those conferences. on him. That's not on him. If he can't rally his troops and can't get his guys to stick together, that is on him. We talked about Fox and ESPN coming up with this, coming up with these TV deals. They are the reason why all these schools in the Pac-12 left and went to the Big Ten. You well, know, it's lame on his part for getting pushed around that easily. 
I just don't know what you wanted them to do. When ESPN and Fox are already not get dicked over. Joe, Larry, you think Greg, you think Greg Sankey is going to get would get dicked over this easily if this happened Greg to him? Sankey, Greg Sankey legitimately had Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and LSU constantly winning. And by the way, throwing this out here, had the highest ranked TV revenue because of viewership. But I'm just talking about from like a personality standpoint, Greg Sankey's not getting his ass kicked this easily. I just think that Klyovkov was this was just this complete nothing presence that just watched everything happen and kind of was not active be more aggressive he yeah. just was okay with everything that's my problem you know what's the reason why this guy you know what he had to do it, let me give it a scenario we they sent george klyovkov into a situation where a house was on fire okay and you wanted to go okay and try and him and him try to go to the homeowner and pull their fire insurance away from him. No, no, no. He, the house is on fire. There's he walked in the living room and he sat down. He sat down in the living room and just, just kind of checked out. That was what he did. So you're going to put all of the Pac-12's issues on one man that got there. And Two men, him and Larry Scott. It's the both of them. Larry, Larry, you need to put this all on Larry Scott. This ain't got nothing to do with Cleof golf. Uh, it's got plenty to do with him i i also look at the end of the day it doesn't make sense for washington state and oregon state to keep him around because their best interests do not align with his their best interests are remaining in a competitive playing field and his is to try and get the pac-12 back to a profitable status they're two completely different priorities it doesn't make sense they also should not be spending the money on paying a guy like this to run a conference that's non-existent. I, I, I just, Joe, I don't know what you want him to do. Like, I mean, we a bitch. <laughs> okay. Well, what, what in, 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 in the, in the, in the, if everything would have gone right, what would he have done? If ESPN Fox say no, what do you want him to do? If he goes to the university and says ESPN and Fox are offering this and they say no, what is he supposed to do? I'd be more proactive in renegotiating. The I market just, is what it is. Joe, let me tell you something. You live on the West Coast, so you see yeah. a lot more than I do. Yeah. So ask me how many games I watch at the Pac-12 at night. None. Well, I do because I have to cover it to be on this show. Before I cover the Pac-12, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't watching it. It's too I, late. There was no viewership. They weren't winning anything. You know, I, you would have, you know, you know, hold on. You know how they would have gotten a better TV revenue? What? How? If they would have won. Well, okay, so there's very low likelihood of them being a national championship contending conference. Now this was a year that they were really competitive. It was the most competitive that they they've ever been, which is why it's ironic. There is not going to be as much viewership in the PAC 12 as there are going to be other parts of the country, just because of the geographical divide of, if we look at the Western States compared to all the high populated cities that are on the East coast, there's really not as many on the West coast as there is on the East coast. And that's where all the teams are. That's not going to happen. But to not be able to get these teams to understand their market value and for them to allow them 
to operate independently and for them to go make their own decisions to allow USC, UCLA to go make their own decisions, all of the, these things to happen means that he did not command the room or the respect of the other athletic directors, the presidents of these schools, all of that stuff. That's what I'm saying is that if he could not command those, the respect of those people in order to make the, the right decisions, it's all about, and that's why I brought up Greg Sankey, it's all about rallying the troops and rallying everybody in the right direction. You could tell during this whole thing, everybody had their own best interest in mind. And that to me means there's a lack of leadership. And I have to point to the guy that was leading when the ship went down. I have to. I agree with this. Chance Babin says the pack got outsmarted by the Big 12 who got media rights done ahead of them. And you know what the Big 12 did too? I'll agree with this where I believe George, this is where I blame George. George did not try to go bring other teams into the conference. If That's he something you should have done years ago. I agree with that. That is the one thing that I think you can blame him on. He should have gotten a deal done with San Diego State, Boise State, all these other teams along the West Coast, BYU, okay, before they went into the Big 12, he could have gotten yep. a done, deal done with them. I agree. I agree with that. Okay, if there's one thing I will concede is that he should have gone and expanded his conference so that it would have been more – he could have brought in other teams into the into the pack, and maybe they could have survived. Maybe you lose UCLA, USC, Oregon. Maybe you don't lose the Washington. Right, like maybe you yeah. don't lose somebody like that. So, uh, rest in peace, George Klyovkov, not legitimately. <laughs> By the way, we got some breaking news. Massive, oh. massive, massive breaking news. Actually, coming out of the University of Florida, I can't believe I can't believe we're live when this is going on, Joe. Um. Billy Napier has been – oh, damn, I thought I was going to get you again. No, you're, you're a dickhead. <laughs> okay. We do have some okay. breaking news okay. here, though. Okay. We were talking about uh, Ryan Day and the pressure being on him. Ross Bjork has already fired their head basketball coach at Ohio State. Oh, is that what the news is that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Chris Haltman is out at Ohio State. Uh-oh, Ryan. Uh-oh, Ryan. Oh. I told you he doesn't mess around. That was what I was trying to say is that he Here doesn't mess Charles around. Here York firing dudes on day seven. He's I, been there a week. I tried to tell you. He doesn't dick around. All right. OG Gary says, rough. You're wrong on that. Scheduling was a huge issue for the pack. The entire conference uh, ate up each other. But the entire conference eating up each other has nothing to do with Kolovkov. It has everything to do with talent problems. All right. We will see y'all again Sunday. Joe, tell your yes. lovely uh, soon-to-be – never mind. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> tell you your too. girlfriend happy Valentine's Day for us, and it has been a very good show. We'll see y'all again on Sunday. Y'all have a good day. Peace.